<laughs> Never been introduced as Barb before, but <laughs> it's kind of nice. <laughs> Whether well, should have had a skirt on or what <laughs> this morning. Thank you for the service already this morning. I've been I've been blessed. Just listening to the singing and singing some new pieces. That that's uh, that one we just sang a few moments ago was just uh, was just great. And uh, that number that was sung by that young lady a few moments ago. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to have. Someone sing and minister to your heart when they sing, right? And uh, that I love singing. I, I could sing the rest of the service and think we did great. But uh, just, just to sing and worship the Lord and rejoice in all that he is and what he's done for us. My, it's just uh, it's so good to know the Lord and to know that we are his children and belong to him. And uh, that's just a, a great thing. I have so many memories of people's church. You know, when I come here, I'm a little nervous. I don't know why I get nervous when I come here. You're not going to make me nervous, are you, this morning? <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't know why that is, But because I, I go way back. I noticed uh, not, since 1951. My sakes, that's a long time ago. And, and I was here when that all happened. And I remember Linwood uh, Stairs, who was the founder of the church, the pastor founder of the church here. I remember going into the parsonage one day down here. I don't know whether they called it the parsonage. He lived down near the school there anyway. And I remember one day going in there, and uh, I was probably going over something to eat because Janet and Linwood lived there, and I used to go over there and get uh, some bread and some beans and some whatever. And uh, I went over, and Janet wasn't there, and I went into the kitchen, and then you went right into the dining room, and on beyond the dining room on the left was where Linwood had his study. And uh, I walked in there, and I couldn't find Janet, so I thought, well, uh, I heard something, and I walked through the dining room and up to where the study was, and, and I heard, uh, heard Linwood praying. I don't know, uh, many of you have not heard him pray, but some of you have. And I don't know what it was about his prayers, but when I heard him pray, heaven came down. It just was, it was such a blessing to hear him pray, and I mean that with all my heart. And I stood there, I couldn't understand all that he was saying, but I knew that he was really praying with emotion. I didn't know what was going on. I was young, and I didn't know all that was going on in his heart or in what he had planned or anything of that sort. I had no idea. But when he came out, and I stood there and listened for a little while, probably shouldn't have. I should have gone. But I stood there and listened, and then he came out, and he had a handkerchief in his hand, and he was wiping his tears away. And I knew that he had met with God that morning or that day that I was there and that he was talking to the Lord about this place. What am I going to do? Should I do this? Is this the right move? Will it be God's blessing on it? 
I'm sure all of those things were in his prayer. But Linwood could really pray. He could really pray. And I'm so grateful that I had the privilege of having him as my brother-in-law. And I'll mention a little bit about him a little bit later, but he was such a blessing to me all the way through my life, really. He's been such a blessing to me. Turning your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Sang about a number of mothers, but you didn't sing about the mother I'm going to speak about this morning, Hannah. And I want to begin to read at verse 9, and it's quite a lengthy passage. I'll not read all of the passage, but just uh, several verses from this passage of Scripture. Beginning 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk, or she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away the wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned, and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have redeemed him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode, and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks, and one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the, unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. <laughs> and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, 
I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given, given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Just those few verses. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again this morning for the opportunity and the privilege we have of being here. We've come not to hear a man preach. We've come to hear from you. And there is a sense in which you've come to hear somebody speak, but someone can speak and you not speak. And Lord, we want you to speak. We want you to speak to our hearts this morning. As we wait before you, as we spend these few moments today, this Mother's Day, we ask that you would minister to us in a very special way and draw us to yourself, that we may understand just a little bit more of your love, of your grace, and that you are Lord, that you are sovereign, and that you know what you're doing, and that you're able to work in all of our lives to do what you want to do, and you're able, Lord, to minister to us in a very special way. So, in as far as it is possible, hide your servant today, and exalt Jesus Christ to our hearts. I know it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts, and Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. I claim that power to deliver the message that you have given for this time. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I never come to Mother's Day, but what I think of my own mother, and I pay tribute to her, uh, some of you know, but many of you do not know, that my mother was left a widow when she was 43 years of age. My dad had died at 47. He, le he left her with eight children, 16 years old and under. I was 12 years old at the time. That was way back in 1945. Now you know how old I am. I'm not a kid anymore. But I was a kid then. And that really marked my life. A year before that, my brother had passed away, or passed away, had been killed in a car train accident. And then Dad died a year later of cancer. And it was a terrible time in, in our lives, of course. And I remember somebody saying, well, Robert, and he won't remember a whole lot of this. This won't affect him very much. <laughs> Two things that affected my life more than anything in all the world was the death of my dad the death of my brother. Those were awful days around our house. But my mother was a stalwart. She was only she only weighed about 110 pounds at that time. She had borne all those children and she had no no way of supporting us. There was absolutely no nothing that could say we'll we'll have money for tomorrow, we'll have money for food or or whatever, nothing. Absolutely nothing. No no family allowance, no mother's allowance, no nothing. Mortgage on the house. How in the world would she ever manage that? 
My mother was a sinner, like all of us. She was saved by the grace of God by her grandfather taking her to Sunday school. And they would walk along to Sunday school and he would talk to her about the Lord. And it was through that that she came to know the Lord as her Savior. As far as I know, she never looked back. She always seemed to walk with God. And she was a woman who prayed, who spent a lot of time in prayer. I remember coming in as a teenager, knocking on her door. I always knocked on her door at night when I came home. And I would open the door a little bit, and she didn't do it just to impress me. She did it all the time. She would, right until her, the last night that she lived, she bowed by the, her bed to pray. She didn't get in bed to pray. She knelt by her bed to pray, even as a 93-year-old lady. And that's the way she was all of her life. And I remember looking in to see her, and although I was not a Christian at the time, to see her there on her knees was a great impression upon my young heart and life. When I got saved, it was she who invited me to church to a baptism service. She knew that God had been working in my life, but I didn't want to admit that, and I was a teenager who was rebellious. I was almost 17 years of age. She invited me to a baptism service where I heard the gospel through Linwood Stairs. And uh, as a result of hearing that and having an invitation to come and give my heart to Christ, I went to the front of the church that day, knelt at the front of the church. A man knelt alongside of me and said, why don't you pray? And I, all I remember saying, I may have said something else, I don't know, but all I remember saying, and I knew it more than anybody else probably, God, I'm such a sinner. But God came into my heart that day. He changed my life completely. No questions about that. Something happened in my heart that nobody else could do, but he did it. And I was so grateful for that. But it was my mother that invited me. It was a year later, and God, sent, God had spoken to my heart about going to Bible school and going into ministry. She knew that, and she was the first to know that after God had really worked me over. And there was a meeting down in the high school, down in, uh, down in uh, uh, Nacowick area, and uh, they had a uh, youth, youth rally. Mr. and Mrs. Breeden were there. She didn't know Mr. and Mrs. Breeden. She just knew who they were, but she didn't know them. And she came over to me and she said, Robert, come with me. So I went over with her to where Mr. and Mrs. Breeden were, and she said, are you Mr. Breeden? <laughs> he said, yes, I am. Uh, she said, uh, Robert wants to go to Bible school. <laughs> I didn't tell her to say that. But she said it anyway. And he said, I'll send you applications. And I made out the applications, and of course, I ended up in Bible school. The best three years of my life. I say that to young people today who are in Bible school. <laughs> they look at me and say, oh, I don't believe that at all. But it's the truth. It's the truth. They were the best three years of my life. I had a lot of fun. I loved the study of the Word of God. I was so hungry. I was so hungry for the Word of God. I really was. I, I'm not exaggerating that. I really was. And it was as a result of her that so much of my life is what it is today. So I pay tribute to her. I found this, and I don't... I, oh, I've got to read this, because this is really, really good. I found this some time ago. It's just called Thank You, Mother. It's written, uh, uh, well, maybe I better read what it says about her. I have taken the liberty 
to print below an, on an article that appeared in Prince Rupert's chat, it's called, November 1st, 1980, following the call to glory of, in October 26, 1980, of Grammy Jackson. A mother to many, one of whom is this great, grateful editor, it seemed so appropriate for this Mother's Day. And here's what he wrote, or here's what was put in the paper. For love unsolicited, for the aroma of homemade bread, and for the delightful experience of crunching a hot buttered crust, for giving us the memory of being home when we called mom after coming home from school, and for a sense of the sense of security that it gave, for comfort when we were hurt outside, for loving understanding when we were hurt inside, for being a neighbor that people came to, for patience with us in not demanding that we do things as well as an adult, for just plain patience with us, for taking time to listen when we had something to tell, for accepting dandelions as if they were orchids, for taking the time to have family outings and picnics, for being beside us when we said our prayers, for tucking us in and kissing us goodnight, for a home that was comfy and clean, you know, homey and lived in, for bringing us up so that we ex the expected thing was to be in the Lord's house on Sunday, for being there with us, for teaching us about the Lord Jesus Christ by word and life, for praying for us behind bedroom doors, for reading to us, for wanting us on outings, for just plain wanting us, for your, for your discipline, you know, those times that it hurt you more than us, for teaching us to respect authority and other people's property, for your love for us in spite of our rebelliousness, thoughtlessness, carelessness, noisiness, for well, Thanks for everything, Mom. Isn't that good? I thought that is so good. And if you'd like to have that, you can have this one, but I could give you a copy of it. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the passage of Scripture that I read a few moments ago, and I'm, time has gone by so quickly. I hope I can get through all of this. You know the background of all of this, of course, is the time of the judges, and everyone was doing that which was right in their own eyes and living away from the Lord and doing their own thing, and this entered into the priesthood as well. Eli, I think, was a good man. I think he loved the Lord. I think he tried to walk with the Lord, but his sons were terrible, Hophni and Phinehas. And they, they were in a time when it seemed like everything was just very, very sinful and wrong. And into that picture comes Hannah. Hannah, as you know, was a person who... Uh, brought into the world a child that was called Samuel. But there was a lot of things went on there. She was a God-conscious woman, first off. A God-conscious woman. You read of that in chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, where she's in the house of the Lord praying. You know the background of that, how that she couldn't have children, and she's wanting a child, and she says, Lord, if you will give me a man-child, I will give him to you. And our prayer is an earnest, God-conscious prayer. And Eli 
knowing what had happened in the temple and all the people that were there and doing the things that they were doing, he thought she was drunk. He just saw her lips moving and he thought she's not able even to speak. She's so drunk. So he accused her of being drunk and she said, Oh no, I'm not drunk. My heart is heavy before the Lord. And I brought my petition to God. And Eli, when he realized that she was really walking with God and really talking to God, he said, God grants your petition. And as a result of his declaring that, apparently, she was set at peace. And she went home with her husband, she conceived, and a son is born. She's a God-conscious woman. She loves the Lord. You know, we need people who are God-conscious. I was down to Old Lemon, Maine just recently, Margie and me. We went down to that little church that was one of our churches on the pastorate that we had when we first went into ministry. Old Lemon, Maine. I said to the man at the border, do you know where Old Lemon, Maine is? He said, I don't have a clue. I said, well, I told him where it was and so on and so forth. So it isn't a very, it isn't a very prestigious place. It's just a small little community. Have a nice little church there. And into the service one night came a man by the name of Peter Bennett. Uh, some of you that have worked at the school know who Peter Bennett is. But Peter Bennett came in and he came up to my wife and he said, Do you know who I am? And she didn't know who he was. But I looked across the place where they were and I knew who he was. So I walked over to him and I said, She may not know, but I know. You're Peter Bennett. He said, Yes, I am. He came from a home where mom and dad, mother was a Christian, dad was not. Mom loved the Lord and wanted to serve the Lord, but Dad wasn't a Christian, and so they didn't go very much to church. And if they did, they went to a church that was not a real good, solid Bible-preaching church. Peter told me this the other night. He said, he said, we went to a church where I'd never heard the gospel. But to my door one night came a knock, and it was Stephen, his brother. He was the oldest in the family, and he came to our door, knocked on the door, and... Uh, I had never seen him before, and he said, I'm Stephen Bennett. Are you Pastor Dunlop? He said, yes. I said, yes, I am. He said, I want to be baptized. So I invited him in and talked with him and had the joy of leading him to Christ. And I said, Stephen, you, you should come to church next Sunday. He said, I'll be there. He came with his mother and with his two brothers. And when I gave the invitation, all three boys came forward and gave their hearts to Christ. And all those three boys went to Bible school. And all those three boys have served the Lord all through the years. And I say it's because they had a godly mother who loved the Lord and wanted their bo her boys to be saved. By the way, Dad came to know the Lord a little bit later, but he did come to know the Lord. It's important to be God-conscious, isn't it? You may be, some of you, and I don't know, probably I'm, barking up a tree here, but some of you may be in circumstances that are very, very difficult. But if you, as a mother, live for Jesus Christ, it's going to affect 
your children to the extent that they will see something different in you. Not that you're trying to promote godliness, not that you're trying to present the fact that you're so spiritual, but you live for Christ, and you live for Christ so that your children know that there's something different about you because they know that you walk with God. God consciousness. It's so important. It's so important. And she had a little boy by the name of Samuel. She called his name Samuel. This last week I was, I was interested because I was reading some, some things about this and, and some say that his name means name of God. Some say his name means offspring of God. I always believed it meant asked of God. And I think really that basically that's what it means. Because she, was, she asked God to give her a man-child. And Samuel comes into the picture. And she's humbled by all of this. And in chapter 2, it speaks about her praise and her worship of God as a result of, of this little one brought into her home. Can, can you imagine this picture of this little baby that she has longed for for so long? And now she has a little baby, her own little child. Now, I don't embarrass my wife when I say this. Uh, we were married for seven years. We couldn't have children. My wife could not bear children. And we knew that that, that would be an impossibility for her to have a child. I, I think my wife and I could understand just a little bit of what it meant to long for a little baby of your own. You understand where I'm coming from? Every mom and dad longs for that, I think. You long for a child of your own. We adopted two girls, and we're so grateful for those two girls, and we love them just as much as you love your very own children. They have been very special to us. In fact, yesterday to our door came a knock, and... Uh, it was a man with a bouquet of flowers. You wouldn't believe the bouquet of flowers. It's a big bouquet of flowers. And, and uh, I got it and I took it in and my wife cried. And uh, I put it on the table and on the, on the top of the flowers is a little note from our daughter. And, and, and it just said, Mom, thank you for all, for all the things you did for me when I was growing up. Not a long note, but just enough to say, you're appreciated, you're appreciated. But you know what? God consciousness means that our children will see something in us that is a little bit different than the world sees in those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now I've got to hurry this. I want to get to the second point, and it's this. A consecrated little boy. Uh, she brought him to the house of God. When he was... Boy, there's some real things going around how old he was when he came to the... She brought him to the house of God. I never had any problem to that, with that until I started reading some things, and it, it, it really troubled me a little bit. I, I, I kind of got bothered by it because I... I had never thought that he was older. It says there that when she weaned him, 
Some say he was eight years old. I've never seen a child weaned at eight years of age. Have you? Some say he was five years old. Well, that's a little bit better, but I think from what I've read, what I understand, he probably was about three or four years of age. So she takes him to the house of the Lord, knowing what she's going to do with him, knowing that she's going to leave him there. Some have even gone so far as to say she dedicated him and then took him home. doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says that when she brought him, she left him there at the temple of, the, temple of God to, to be with Eli. Talk about that in a little bit. It reminds us a little bit about Abraham bringing Isaac and laying Isaac on the altar. She's bringing that little boy that she loves so much. She prayed for so hard. She's bringing that little boy and she's going to leave him there with Eli. And if you know anything about Eli's sons, you will know that she must have had some thoughts, I would think. I thought about her bringing that little boy. I wrote these things down. Listen to these, these things. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, okay? Just, but I think she thought these thoughts. He's so young. He needs his mother. I'll wait a little longer. Maybe God will forgive me if I don't keep my vow. He will not be needed in the temple. Eli has sons. I love that boy. I can't do it. Eli's sons haven't turned out very well. And I'm going to leave him with Eli? Now you're a mother. And so you take this little boy, and I'm going to suggest, and I, I believe I'm right, but I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest that you're three or four years old. Can you imagine a little three or four year old boy with his hand in his mother's hand and I'm not trying to be dramatic here I'm, I'm telling you this is the way it all happened and he walks she, she walks him into the temple and she brings the sacrifices that are necessary and she says to Eli this is the one I prayed for and I'm going to lend him to the Lord I'm going to give him to the Lord all the days of his life now she's a mother. Do you think that that didn't trouble her a little bit? I know she was dedicated to the Lord. She was a God-conscious woman and she loved the Lord with all of her heart. I know all of that. Mom, you're a three-year-old boy. Think back to when you had a three-year-old boy or a three-year-old girl. And you're bringing that little one into a place that you're not just sure. 
He's going to be in a good environment in the sense that it's the temple of God, but you're not sure about Eli and what he's going to do. You know about his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're immoral wretches. They were committing adultery with women that came to sacrifice. They were doing all kinds of things. And I'm going to leave my little boy there? What would you do as a mom with that little three or four year old boy? Boy, I'm telling you, I, I would have a hard time with that, wouldn't you? That's a pretty tough thing. But she came to the place where she said, she had her mind all made up. She said, he's the Lord's. I'm going to give him to the Lord. I promised him to the Lord. He's going to give him to the Lord. He will be in the temple of the Lord. He will be there all the days of his life. And I don't think she knew he was going to become the great priest and the great prophet that he became. That he became. He, we know what he became. But nevertheless, he's left there. And you know, if you read through those passages of Scripture, which I did again this morning, read through those passages of Scripture and began to, began to think about that time when, when he was brought. And then the Bible says, there came a time when he was called. Now there's some disagreement about how old he was when he was called. The Bible tells us he was just a young boy, maybe somewhere around 12 years of age, possibly that, I don't know. But he was young. Uh, there have been a lot of testimonies of kids that have been called when they're young. Never, dis never discourage that. That's so very, very important. Elizabeth Elliot. You all know who Elizabeth Elliot is, I think. She was a 10 or 11-year-old girl, and she wrote this in her diary. Now, I want you to listen to this. Lord... She's 10 or 11 years old. Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my desires and hopes, and accept your will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to you to be yours forever. Fill me and seal me with your Holy Spirit. Use me as you will. Send me where you will. Work out your will in my life at any cost when she was 10 or 11 years of age. She married Jim Elliott. They went to South America to work for the Lord, and Jim Elliott was killed by the Alka Indians. Not called that now, but that's the way I know about them. And she went back in there with her little girl, Valerie, to try to reach that tribe for Jesus Christ and was very successful in doing so. But the call came when she was 10 or 11 years of age. And she said, wherever you want me, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I told you I was going to talk about Lin Linwood Stairs and I've already done that some. Linwood Stairs was my pastor. I loved him. I say that honestly. 
after I got saved and sensed God's call to the ministry, he was my example. He was my mentor. He, he taught me so many things, so many things. My mother tells of Linwood. When he was just a young boy, I don't think she told us exactly how old he was, but I took it that he would probably be around 9 or 10 or 11 years of age. And the pastor of the church asked him to lead the congregation in prayer. Now a little boy. And if you knew Linwood Stairs, you would know that when he prayed in church, he always got down on his knees. And that little boy went up to the platform, got on his knees, and prayed. And my mother says that when he prayed, she said the whole congregation was so moved by that little boy's prayer. And the rest is history. God had called him to minister. And up along this St. John River Valley, not so much now because the older folks are pretty well, <laughs> we're all going, <laughs> we're all going, we're all, many have gone. But he had evangelistic meetings where many, many people came to Christ. I've never forgotten as a young, young guy trying to learn my way around, going out to Wilmot. Some of you will think that church is almost gone now. I guess I, last I knew it had a sold selling sign on it. And, I, I was hurt by all of that, but nevertheless, he took me out there with him, and I led singing, and uh, he had, had me preach once or twice even, let me preach some, and so on and so forth. But many got saved. I can look down to the congregation this morning and see two or three. And the altar would be lined with people coming to Christ. He went from there up to Holmesville, he and Walter Campbell, and they went up to Holmesville and had an evangelistic crusade, baptized 80 people. 80 people. But when he was just a little boy, God had his hand on him. Never despair when your little boy has some spiritual life that you, you wonder about. And you sort of tuck it back in your heart and you say, thank you, Lord. Do that work and protect and keep and guide and direct and lead his life or her life to bring glory and praise to Jesus Christ. The call of God. And here's this young man in the temple that night, and I've got to be through too quick. And he's, here's the voice of God. I'm not going to get into a lot of that now. I'd take too much of your time. But you know the passage of Scripture. Samuel, three times. Samuel, Eli said, it's not, I'm not talking to you. I didn't call you. Go back to your bed. Go back to your bed. Go back to your bed. And Eli woke up after a while and said, just say, speak, Lord, for your, your servant hears. And little Samuel listens, hears the voice of God, and a message was given to that little boy that most of us as adults wouldn't want given to us. 
And he was to deliver a message of condemnation to Eli. And Eli the next morning said, what did God say? Don't you hold anything back from me. And you know the story. And God did bring judgment. The next chapter says there was a word that a little boy that was born that day when their war took place and the Philistines and Israel were fighting and and Israel was beaten and the temple of God was taken or temple the, co- the covenant was taken the ark of the covenant was taken and 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 a little boy was born to Phinehas wife and she died and bringing that little one into the world and they called him Ichabod the glory is departed he became a great servant of the Lord let me just ask some questions and then I'm through number one listen carefully to this now this is important should we ask God to bring someone along again who will be totally yielded to the Lord and shake our nation for God Couldn't he do that? Does our nation need it? Say amen, would you? Oh, our nation needs it. Should we pray that God would bring another Samuel, another Billy Graham, another servant of God that could shake our nations for God? Number two, maybe there's someone here The Lord is working in your heart to serve him wholeheartedly. You may be young, you may be a teenager, or even older, but God is working in your heart, and you you know it. Billy Graham was a teenager when God called him. Number three, God's not in a hurry. A baby that would shake that nation for God began with a baby why didn't he choose someone older chose a baby number four to every mother and dad let me say commit your children to the Lord and allow him to work in their lives don't stand in the way of our Lord's work in their lives some parents do in our first pastorate there was a young lady that got saved in her teen years. She was in high school. She wanted to come to Bible school. And her mother said, No, Colleen, you're not going to Bible school. You're going to teacher's college. She thought going to Bible school was the wrong move. She went to teacher's college. She became a teacher, and she messed up her life terribly. We loved Colleen. But mom stood in the way. Number five. Where are you with the Lord today? Are you saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Are you living for Him? Make sure things are right between you and God. He loves you with more love than you will ever understand. And he wants the best for your life. Let's bow together for prayer.
Father, I've tried to preach the message that you gave me to preach this morning. I pray that you would take the truth and apply it to our hearts. You know every mom here today and every dad. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts that we might pray. That we might pray. We sometimes neglect the most important part. We need to pray that you would raise up young men, young women who would shake our nation for God. We need it so much, Lord. We're desperately needy these days. There's so much going on to destroy and ruin and so little happening in our churches. So little happening in reaching people for Christ. Oh God, for a move of your spirit that would turn us to you and we'd find you the sufficient one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed just for a moment, I'm not going to give a public invitation as such, but I just want to, I want to talk to you just for a moment. Are you praying that the Lord will raise up someone? If you're not doing that, would you start? Would you start and pray that the Lord would raise up some man who, with the anointing of God upon him, would be a great servant of yours to bring our Canada to the foot of the cross where we would understand a little bit more of his love and his grace. We're surrounded, Lord, in, in our churches so many times with all kinds of things, and we need you more than we need anything else in all the world. And so, just now, while we're had, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed before you, help us, Lord, to yield our all to you and to pray that you would send another Samuel another servant that you could use and use greatly for your own honor and for your own glory. I pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.